Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Hey, Financially Savvy Travelers, welcome to another episode of The Thought Card Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Christopher Mitchell. He is a Canadian travel writer, photographer, and podcaster who has traveled to over 80 countries and five continents. He has lived in Norway, South Korea, and most recently, Turkey for three years. He now calls Toronto home. He also co-hosts the podcast Rick Steves Over Brunch with Stephanie Craig. Christopher Mitchell is also the author of A Local Travel Writer's Guide to Toronto, an insider's travel guide to visiting Toronto, Canada. And this book covers restaurants, nightlife, attractions, events, and more. So welcome to the Thought Card Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, it's good to be here. I hope I can live up to, uh, to that bio. That sounds, uh, it sounds like a pretty good bio, so I better live up to it, right? Yes. <laughs> you got me at 80 countries. I was like, wow, 80 countries. I'm at 27 right now, and I'm feeling pretty good, but 80 is amazing. And I'm sure a lot of the audience aspires to travel to see so much of the world. I think it's just an attestation to to how long uh, I, travel's been a part of my life, and I sort of started early, and and um, I don't see that um, that passion for travel dissipating anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I, I think also that's shifted over time. You know, that that focus on that number. I think when I was younger, I was like like I want to see as much as I can, and now you know I'm a lot more interested in just uh, making sure I take the time to see places properly. Um, but um, but, you know, grateful to have all those experiences and and hopefully I can leverage some of those experiences today for for all the listeners. Yes. All right. So let's start from the beginning. When you were 16, you spent a month in Dublin participating in a writing program at Trinity College. So how did that trip impact you eventually moving abroad and traveling? Yeah. So that's kind of, I think, partially uh, what I would think of as as, as what spurred me to to sort of take the path um, that I'm on today. Um, I think, uh, you know, at the very least, uh, just being on your own at 16, halfway around the world, um, you know, it's kind of a sink or swim scenario. Um, And I felt fortunate that, uh, you know, far from feeling nervous or, or I don't know, like crumbling under the weight of, of not being near my, the corner store near my house, you know, um, I was actually sort of totally enlivened by it. Um, and I think also it was just an important sort of humbling experience for me because, you know, I, I, part of what was so incredible to me was I was studying literature there. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I think I was moved by the history that, that, you know, I could study, um, I could study Joyce and, you know, read Oscar Wilde and then go to the places that they went in in Dublin or they wrote about in Dublin. Um, So that was that was moving for me. And I guess that's also the first time that I um, I really honed in on on the fact that I actually I really enjoy the feeling of displacement. Um, I really like to, um, you know, I like to 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 sort of, you know, to use a metaphor to kind of blow up the raft and head down the river and just see what rapids come. But, but it's, you know, it's a lot better than floating on a stream that you've gone down a thousand times. And and I think that's, for me, what I realized 
right then and there was that um, I, I quickly understood that probably my my growth and my development in life was going to come from putting myself in situations where I wasn't necessarily comfortable, but I was, uh, I don't know, deeply curious about and intrigued by. Yes. At 16, I was hanging out at the mall, having a boyfriend, not doing, you know, like just doing high school teenage stuff. But I love that at this young age that you were able to visit another country, visit Ireland. So talk to us a little bit about that writing program. Like, has writing always been part of your story at a young age? Like, how did that program get it? Like, how did you start with that program in Dublin? Yeah, so really, it was um, it was a specific program to study Irish authors um, at Trinity College. But it was, for all intents and purposes, it was a, it was a, there was an organization that allowed Canadian students to come abroad um, and spend some time in Dublin and some time in Cork and it would count as a uh, as a as a high school credit essentially um, in English uh, towards university so I, I was keen on that but I was even more keen on um, the aspect of studying Irish authors in Dublin um, but also there was a heavy focus on you know not just sort of the the what I what I previously understood from English lit, like the sort of the 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 scholastic sort of read this and then talk about it sort of way, there was also an emphasis on on some creative writing and the power of writing itself. And it's also where I discovered that I might have a knack for this for this whole writing thing. Um, you know, and it, it sounds like so I don't know cliche and stereotypical, but I I did spend a lot of time, you know, reading. Uh, reading passages from from the Dubliners by Joyce, and then going and tracing some of those steps, or you know, passages from Ulysses or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's just it's it was just fascinating to me. So that's kind of the 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 crux of it. Um, it was sort of equal parts study and, and writing, but ultimately it counted towards uh, towards a, it was a, essentially a high school credit for me as well. Yeah, I love I, I love that. I definitely see like the link between travel, writing, and now what you do professionally. So let's go a little bit deeper and fast forward to you moving abroad for the first time. So how did that decision come about? You know, I think uh, honestly, I mean, it was. I think you were really apt to ask that question about Ireland first because that planted a lot of seeds for me. Um, and I decided that, um, you know, I, I think um, for one reason or another, um, the way that travel is pitched to us in society is sort of like it's something that you can partake in uh, when you're not partaking in real life. You know, it's like it's like everybody saves up so that they can go and travel somewhere to forget about all of the you know, whatever's going on in their, in their quote unquote real life. And I think I quickly realized that, that travel and work for me or, or just life in general could, there could be a really healthy symbiosis there. And so, um, I decided that I was going to study abroad for at least uh, one year of my university. And so I moved abroad to, uh, to Oslo, Norway, um, for part of my third year of university. Um, and that was, uh, that was a, Fantastic experience. Um, I I ended up staying in the uh, the old Olympic villages, um, which with ten thousand other international students, um, and that was a tremendous opportunity for for growth and learning there. So that was the first time after Ireland that I 
well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really move abroad to Ireland as much as sort of uh, dip my, my pinky toe into the water. But the first time I actually moved abroad would have been to, to study uh, at the University of Oslo uh, for my third year. Yes, I love that. Again, these are things that a lot of us wish we would have done. Like for me personally, I wanted to study abroad in Paris, but the finances of like not having the financial aid package uh, definitely held me back from doing that. And to be honest, like I did not do enough venturing off. Like I did not try hard enough to make it happen. But I love that in your story that you dipped your tip, your pinky toe in the beginning in Ireland, and then you went full fledged and you're like, okay, I'm going to do spend a year in um, a different country and Oslo was your country of choice. So I know that between 2014 and 2017, you just, you lived in Istanbul. Can you talk about that decision? Why Turkey and a little bit about um, what life was like there? Sure. Yeah. So, so just to, uh, it, just to give a timeline there, in between Oslo and Istanbul, uh, my wife Bree and I went to Seoul and taught English for a year, and then we moved back uh, to Toronto, and then and then we shipped off to Istanbul for for what would have been our longest time abroad, which was three years. And and I think Istanbul called to us just because um, I think there's you know when when I'm looking for a place to to live i'm looking for a place that has sort of a lot of growth potential and and for me that means that like i love places where um i know that i could live there for three years and every single weekend there'd be things that i'm looking to do there to further um to further dive into what makes that place special and so istanbul was was calling my name in that regard we first went to istanbul brie and i in 2000 and 10 actually after i left oslo brie came and met me um in europe and we traveled around a little bit and went to istanbul and we fell in love with the city um despite going there in the summer when it was like incredibly humid um my like my 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 life as a canadian male just like crumbled i was like sweating and like it was it was terrible but i but i realized later that the summer is just like it's especially hot and the rest of the year is perfect because you don't get barraged for three months with a with a soul defeating winter like you do in toronto um so anyways we um we were teaching we taught at an international school um both of us and uh and actually um you know we'll get into this a little bit more later about about sort of the idea that you can grow while you're traveling but we actually while we were teaching there we actually got our master's uh through um through a buffalo state in 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 education um so that was another growing like i I, it's just something that you know i think um i just you know if there's one thing i want to sort of really hone in on it's the fact that you know traveling abroad um yeah in some sense in living abroad people can see it sometimes as a as a backward step or a sidestep but really you know it, it can be a tremendous step forward and i think um, you, we came back from Istanbul, um, very well prepared for, for life in, uh, in Toronto. Um, and it, you know, it certainly wasn't a, a backstep for us, but you know, we can dive into Istanbul a little bit more, but that's a, for anyone who's been into a tremendous city, uh, a really humbling city because it's, it's one of those places that, um, you know, you can have the best day and worst day of your life in the same week, you know, um, but uh, but you'll certainly never be bored. Um, and that suits me very well. Yes. Istanbul is definitely on my list. So 
If someone is considering moving abroad, you mentioned that you visited Istanbul first before you decided that this was the move that you wanted to make. Is that something that you would recommend to folks or would you recommend to just figure out like online, figure out if this is the place for you and just go? Yeah, so I think it depends on the type of person that you are. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's really um, careful and uh, like didactic about the decisions that you make, um, you're going to want to look into it a little bit uh, more heavily, maybe go and visit and figure it out if it's for you. I, I personally, I'd never been to Oslo before I moved there and I'd never been to Seoul before I moved there. Um I think that can be part of the fun of it. It just depends on the type of person you are. Um, if you know you're somebody who's sort of adaptable um, and you trust yourself to to sort of ingratiate yourself with society, you trust yourself to to um, to find the flow of the city and to to sort of dive into it, then I think you're you're fine to just go for it. Um, I mean, it's important to remember that, that, uh, you know, I, I, there's a great quote that says like, there's, there are no foreign places. It's only the traveler that's foreign, you know? So the, the idea that, that, you know, we are from a place that's, you know, wherever your homeland is, that's, that's your spot. And then everywhere else is foreign. It's, it's not true. I mean, really like, I, I always say that, uh, you know, your, your home, like home is, is, is not a, is not a place. It's a concept. So you're, you can go and find your home somewhere else. I mean, I felt at home in Istanbul and Seoul and Oslo and a number of other places. Um, and so I think, I think just know your character. Uh, if you need to go and visit a place before you'll feel comfortable living there, then sure. But it also depends on the place too, right? Like you can probably have a reasonable idea of, of what living in London, you know, in the UK is going to be like. Um, so you might be fine to just dive into that, but you might not be as sure about, Tbilisi, Georgia, or something like that. So, um, but I mean, when like my philosophy, and this is just me, is that you know, ultimately, uh, you know, we you've got to take chances uh, to to get rewards in life, and and if an opportunity presents itself and you haven't been there and you still want to go, I would not let that stop you. Yes. And that is exactly for me why I'm so passionate about travel, because in the past when I was younger, I let so many opportunities pass me by. So I decided to myself, like, I'm not going to not at least try my best as an adult. So I love I love those thoughts. Now, I know also from doing a bit of research about you that uh while you were in Istanbul, you were also playing sports professionally. So can you talk a bit more about getting your master's, uh, playing sports professionally in Istanbul? So all the things that you did to help you grow um, as a person and also professionally. Well, firstly, good on you for doing research. Um, oh, I'm on it. I am on yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am, I'm pretty impressed. I don't think anybody's ever brought that up in an interview before. So uh, big kudos. All the listeners need to know that you're uh, you're working hard for this show. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I think it's sort of all of these, like everything in life, um, you know, once you do commit yourself to something, opportunities tend to just sort of arise and come up. And, um, you know, the 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 master situation was something there. We actually went to a school where we knew that this was going to be an opportunity for us. So they had a professor coming over from Buffalo State 10 times over our three years for 10 one week intensive courses with corresponding work around that. Um, I think it was really important for Bree and I to 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 come back with with that um, master's from a 
from an internet like a, a, an institution that uh, where we'd have a master's that was recognized uh, internationally and so that was a decision that we made that was part of the decision we made to go to that to, to that school to teach at that school was was part of that program so that was very intentional the playing professional sports was uh was less intentional literally um i was out at a bar in, in istanbul one night um which yeah i mean just, i should mention despite the fact that you know of of course, uh, Istanbul at large is um, it's a Muslim country. Um, you know, Istanbul is a is a is a great city to go out. So figure that one out. But uh, you know, I think it's um, anyways. It's a really fun spot. I was out one night, and a, a friend came over to me, and he was like, "So, Chris, like, you're Canadian. You must have played hockey growing up." And I was like, um, "I I resent you for that, but uh, yes, I absolutely did." Um, and he's like, "Were you good?" And I was like, "Yeah, I played competitive hockey." And he was like, okay, so like I'm partially involved with a team here in Istanbul and we're, I'm, I'm like helping to coach the team. Would you be interested in coming out and skating for, for a session? I was like, okay, sure. So I went out, uh, I, I went on board some equipment, which was like not the best equipment, but I managed to play all right. And, um, and my parents were happy to be, to be coming over at the start of the season anyways to visit. So I said, you know, to mom and dad, just, Hey, bring, bring the hockey equipment when you come over here. So I, you know, signed on with a team um, called the Coach Rams and uh, played played ended up playing two seasons in the in the Turkish Super League. So that was great because I'd be teaching during the week, um, you know, and then I I would hop on a plane to with, with bring my hockey equipment to the airport, hop on a plane with the guys, um, and we would go to you know all these places I might not have gone like Erzurum and spend time in Izmir and a whole bunch of other places and. Yeah, that was a tremendous experience. But, you know, if you want to put a put a big check mark beside why travel, you know, I'm certainly not playing professional hockey in Canada. So so there, that was fantastic. <laughs> I love I love that. And it brings me back to me a couple of years ago. I was invited to dance professionally as a step dancer on this professional team. And I did it for like a year. So it's interesting that like you could have short stints of doing something really unique. And I love that for you while you were in a different country, you were able to play professionally. So that is super duper cool. All right. So let's now talk about money, which is our favorite subject. So in your in your opinion, how did living abroad set you up for financial success? Yeah, so I think there's a number of uh, of things that 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 come into play there. I think for one thing, um you know, living abroad, a lot of the success of living abroad, and this is sort of like a, on a, a broad sort of macro statement, but I think a lot of the success of, of living abroad is is arriving in a place, understanding sort of what cards you have in your hand, recognizing trends and figuring how to best fit in to, to that mold. And to me, that's kind of like, you know, a little bit like the stock market or a little bit like finances in general. I mean, I think those skills, the idea of of you know being tempered being you know under being in a in a potentially chaotic situation but maintaining that same level of breath looking at situations critically and taking a moment to understand things all of these skills i think honestly that you have when you're traveling and i'm not talking about being on a tour you know what i call the the sort of the that circle of tourism where you're just sort of brought onto a um a conveyor belt of travel i'm talking about like you know real you're really going to explore a place and live somewhere um i think a lot of these skills are transferable um and i think the big things that i would just sort of highlight were are you know um 
you need to really trust your instincts. Um, and I think the same is true for for finances as well. You know, you, you you're on a mission to learn as much as you can, take in all that information and then make decisions and judgments based on all that, you know. But it's always about the search of, you know, you never are complacent. You never you know, rest your, your laurels, you, you, you keep going and learning more. So on a macro, like I can get into obviously the specifics of how, you know, a little bit later about how travel I've actually, actually been able to turn that out into, to income and so on and so forth. But I just wanted to talk on a macro level first about a lot of those skills of, of going abroad and taking a leap and, um, trusting your instincts, being adaptable, um, being, you know, being analytical. I think a lot of those things transfer well into, into looking at the financial world. Yes, absolutely, definitely for sure. Especially the the aspect of taking taking risks and taking calculated risks, you know, understanding what are the pros and cons of making this move and and I definitely see how that translates to running a business and being an entrepreneur and doing things like that. So I know a lot of people who end up teaching abroad, they get their housing paid for, their maybe stipend. So was that the case for you and did you have a strategy in terms of like how you were going to save money and build wealth while you were in Turkey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's exactly the case there. So we were, um, we taught at a, a school in Istanbul that was one of the top schools in the, in the city and really in the country. So we had a really competitive salary. Um, and we had a few things that we were looking for. Um, so for one, we, uh, were prioritizing, teaching opportunities where we were going to be paid in US dollars. I think if you are going to be teaching abroad, um, you part of part of what you need to look at is the stability um, of a country. Um, and I think uh, you don't necessarily want your salary tethered to a currency which fluctuates really heavily. Um, and so in our case, um, you know, we uh, went to a, gr- a great school. We absolutely loved it. Um, they, I think, actually, we, they didn't take care of our housing, but provided a, a you know, we ended up uh, renting our ap- apartment, a, a beautiful three-bedroom apartment in central Istanbul from a former employee from the school. So that was sort of well taken care of during sort of ori- orientation or orienting ourselves to the city. Um, and then we were... Yeah, paid in U.S. dollars there. So that ended up being really advantageous because uh, from 2014 to 2017, you know, p- part of what we feared occurred, which was that the lira, um, I think when we arrived, the lira was sort of like two to one. When we left, it was four or five to one, maybe. I can't exactly remember, but either way, we were making U.S. dollars. So actually our salary uh, by the, you know, it was hard to leave <laughs> after 2017 because we were actually ended up doing very well. And uh, so, yeah, that's just one thing I would I would recommend is just look historically um, at the wherever you're going to be going. Look at the nations uh, historically. How 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 uh, how much does that currency fluctuate? Um, so that's just one thing to consider. But, yeah, that, that was our arrangement and, and it ended up working out very well for us. That's a wonderful, wonderful tip and something I think that uh, a lot of us who are thinking about getting jobs abroad should definitely consider making sure that whichever currency you get paid in, it's stable over time and not fluctuating like a 
like the uh, the currency that was in Turkey at the time. So that's very good. Thank you, Chris, for sharing that with us. So in terms of like your budget when you were abroad, did you say, did you have like saving goals that you wanted to have? Did you find that cost of living was affordable in Turkey at that time? Yeah, so so we didn't have a formal budget in the sense of, you know, we we're going to be saving this much per, per month just because, uh, yeah, Turkey's in general is very inexpensive. Um, and uh, I would also point out that, uh, you know, when you, if you know you're going to be traveling a lot, um, basing yourself in a, in, a, in a travel hub like Istanbul is really um, a good idea for saving money. So, for example, um, Istanbul, I mean, they just built, I think, the largest airport in the world. Um, th- that's the hub of Turkish Airlines. So you're able to fly out of Istanbul, I think, usually round trip for under 100 bucks to most places uh, with with within, you know, a reasonable distance, of course. But it was extremely inexpensive, especially if you're used to North American prices on flights. It just really was less it was less expensive to to live in Istanbul because the cost of living was really not bad at all. But it was also less expensive to travel because that huge cost that's usually associated with travel is the flight. And that was really negligible because we lived in a uh, a real travel hub um, and and generally speaking, if you're looking for the hub, figure out where, you know, where the airport or where the airlines really basing their headquarters. So like I think Lufthansa and Frankfurt, you know, that kind of stuff, like basing yourself near a hub is going to be a smart idea. So that's part of part of that decision to move there. And, and part of the way we were able to save money was just simply by we already had that advantage. Yes, I love that. That's also another thing to definitely consider about uh, consider. And it's always mind boggling to me. And I know Canada has it even worse in the United States that the prices of flights are just so expensive intra like intra the country versus going internationally, which is probably why I go to Europe more often than I visit anywhere in, in the North America. So I could totally understand and relate to that. So behind the scenes, you were continuing to write. Is that true? For example, you're writing for publications behind the scenes. So can you talk a little bit more about your writing journey uh, while you were traveling and um, also while you were in Turkey? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so I mean, just to, to back it up, I started TravelingMitch.com uh, when I was living in, in Oslo, actually. And uh, I think at that time, I, I, I was calling the blog Oso Oslo or something like that. And um, I like the name, by the way. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, not bad. And then I think I, when I moved to Seoul, I changed it to Heart and Soul, spelled Soul. But um, I, I just started it honestly because I, and I, you know, said this elsewhere before. I started it because I was getting emails from all sides, from family and friends, and I just wanted a central place to send everybody, you know, just to send them a link. At that time, it was much more of a of a personal journal. Um, but when I moved to South Korea. I actually applied for this opportunity sort of ad hoc. I just didn't really I didn't really think I was going to get it. But I was eventually selected as a World Korea blogger by the Korean government. So I was one of 30 people around the world who was writing about Korean culture there. And they were doing a good job of promoting my site and all of this kind of stuff. And I it just ended up being really, you know, getting my site on the map. And that's when I sort of thought, okay, I can do something with this. Uh, when I left Korea, I just continued to to chase opportunities uh, in print, um, going on press trips for Canadian magazines. Um, you know, I love writing. I mean, writing is the is sort of my the way I process the world. Um, you know, that's 
I've always been somebody, I mean, you can probably gather already. I'm always, I'm always balancing a thousand different things. Uh, and, and that's the way I like it in life. But, uh, writing is my time that I, it's like meditation for me. You know, like I turn on the, my music, I sort of close my door and I, I get into a zone. Um, there's like that, I'm not, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, the term flow state, you know, where like you get into a flow state where you, the hours sort of, um, just sort of pass through your hand like like sand in a really positive way. And that's kind of been writing for me forever. In Turkey, I can I was kind of presented with a special opportunity because I was, um, you know, on the inside, there was a lot of uh, turbulence, we'll say. Um, you know, there was a lot, there was some bombings and things going on. Um, it was a tense time. Um, and I think I ended up being, uh, I was uh, celebrating a, an engagement party and I was at the top floor of a, apartment in Taksim Square or um, hotel in Taksim Square and we witnessed kind of a, a major bombing happen outside Besiktas Stadium uh, called Vodafone Stadium actually um, and uh, and I ended up writing an article about it just talking about how I was sort of torn for my love of this place and my pride and the, for the you know the city and the resilience of the Turkish people mixed with my own safety and when it's time to pull a plug and get out of a place like that and that actually that article ended up winning um the uh, winning a, 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 an award at the Traverse Awards in, in 2019 last year. So writing was the way I processed through that. And, and I think all for anyone looking to travel to Istanbul now, it's, uh, it's for all that I understand, it's, it's totally fine to go over there. I don't want to paint a picture of it being a dangerous place. We stayed for the full three years, obviously. But as far as that journey goes, I mean, obviously then you know, I was I'm so kind of focused and in, in love with that that writing aspect that I decided that you know when, when we were leaving Istanbul, I was going to chase this full time, and that blossomed into a whole bunch of other stuff, which we can we can talk about later. But I think the crux of it for me is that I knew that when I was traveling, going through all these experiences, I didn't want to do what's so common now, which is sort of take a thousand pictures that I kind of I'm almost not even present in the moment i'm just sort of like taking pictures and posting them and so on and so forth i really felt like the way that i could ensure that i created long-lasting memories and and lessons for myself was to write about it and so that's kind of where the blog came in and, and then of course now it, it it's come from that back in the day sort of that oslo here's my personal journal um, to really trying to go from, you know, I think that style of writing now, like, look how great my life is, look where I am, is it doesn't, it's kind of alienating. So now I'm really looking to, to hit that second person pronoun, the you, and uh, and make sure that I'm empowering other people with the with the site, with uh, with some of my travel advice. So yeah, that's the that's the long answer, which which of course you're gonna get from a writer. <laughs> it sounds like in your in your journey of being a blogger, you had things in your path that were validating, like winning that opportunity to be part of the 30 writers in um, in Seoul. Can you talk a little bit more about how there might be things in your journey that will validate you and that will push you to de make decisions like taking your blog full time? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually a really good um, question and point. And it's something I think a lot about. Um, the first thing I would say is that um, I think just in general, in the society we live in, it can be dangerous to to fall into the to the trap uh, of always looking for external validation because I think we're kind of trained to do that. At the same time, you need to know that things are working in some way and things are resonating. So obviously, you know, I was a little younger and I got that opportunity with the Korean government. I, I knew that there was a kernel of something that I had. 
And I think when I when I think about other people, if other people are listening, and they're trying to create something. I think you know the, my advice would be to take that kernel of what you know to be true that that you have something special, and then hold on to that tightly and sort of use that to to hurdle over the opportunities ahead uh, or the lack thereof. And what I mean by that really is that you know you're going. It's really easy to to hop on a podcast or whatever and to talk about all your highlights, but you know you're gonna get a thousand no's in the process, and and I think people ought to talk more about those no's. I mean, it's never gonna be a linear path. It's always gonna be a lot of ups and downs, and I think the main thing is to is to remember why you're doing it, and and that's where I think a lot of people struggle now. If you created, um, you know, if if you're creating a brand or content only for the monetary side of things, um, you know, you might be in trouble. Now, of course, you, you should have some business acumen and be smart and think about how can you monetize it, but monetization can't be the crux of your purpose. Yes, that is gold. That's gems because it is a long, long and hard journey, like you mentioned, Chris. So I can totally relate to that. So I think for me as a content creator, travel content creator, it hit me that travel, like when I'm traveling and then I write about it or create content, I can actually monetize my travel. And it's hard to say when that monetization will come. But the more I travel, the more I create content, the more I'm able to monetize my stories and my skills and my craft. So when did you realize that travel could be a revenue driver for you? Um, yeah, I think it, it was really just um, when I realized that all my passions were were sort of colliding. So writing and travel and photography and all of this kind of stuff. And I think also the, the, it's the idea of like there are these opportunities out there. Whatever you're interested in, there are going to be opportunities out there. So I knew that I was passionate about writing and travel and photography. And it was really just about slowly but surely sort of getting that validation to know that I could do it. Um, and once you do it once, then, you know, what I, if anyone's um, looking for an actual example of this, like everything I did and have done, I just sort of continue to add to my portfolio page. And it's at travelingmitch.com slash portfolio. And literally, that's like that is my page of validation. So, you know, if if I'm ever feeling down, I just go there and I'm like, all right, I've been busy, you know, but I think you start small, you know, start measured. So I think the first article that I had for a print magazine was a, a magazine in Seoul um, called 10 Magazine. And I wrote about um, comedy clubs in, in Seoul. So you start small and then you get larger and larger and set your heights higher and higher. So I think from the freelance writing side of things, I, I think probably people can understand how that works. It, it's not quite as lucrative as it used to be, for sure. Um, but I think the the other side of that is is figuring out, you know, monetizing your 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 website and your brand, that's something which is, I think it's probably never been easier to do, but it's also never been harder to uh, get in front of people. Um, and so that's where you would want to learn things like search engine optimization and things like that. And we can talk a little bit about that. But I think as far as travel as a revenue driver, you, what I'm thinking about now is that each place I travel to um, is an opportunity to gather content, which then I can sort of put into a myriad of channels. Um, and so that could be, you know, I, and, and in some cases, it's just the idea of gathering content for future opportunities. So there's been plenty of times where, 
you know, having an organized uh, media library um, so that when I see an opportunity to write for a magazine, I can quickly be like, oh, funny you mention whatever, Casbeggy, Georgia. I was just there um, recently and uh, I have plenty of um, shots of the, from the top of the mountain or whatever it is, like keep organized. Um, and, and I think it's a bit of a mind shift, right? Like, and it works, it works really well because when you start to go places like you're an investigative journalist almost, and you're trying to uncover everything, then you have a deeper experience there anyways. So the worst case scenario is you go and you take the pictures you need, you explore and do your due diligence, you eat at the right places, you eat all the food you need to, and then you don't write about it, but you still had a more meaningful travel experience. Yes, which is always, it's always good. You know, it's always fun. Sometimes it's not like, not every trip I go on uh, ends up being content. Uh, but I love the idea that you said, like, always having, especially if you're a content creator, having a media library or having a library of content that you have. And sometimes you'll just pull the trigger later on. Like sometimes I get uh, opportunities to talk about a country that I visited five years ago, you know, but I have the notes, I have the, you know, the photos and I have the memories of that experience so I can bring it kind of quote unquote out of the closet. So I love that you're able to, uh, to do that as well. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the skills that you have been able to leverage as you are traveling. And again, like in, on this podcast, you really, we really try to debunk the myth that like you don't need money to travel. So while you are spending money to travel, can you talk about some of the skills that you have uh, been able to to leverage and grow over time? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think the first thing to mention when you're looking at that is that, you know, if you're going to be an authority on something, um, you know, like travel or or whatever, you know, a good Good travel writing needs to take into account, um, you know, a broad picture of the world, right? Like you, you can't keep writing about the places that everyone else has written about. You need to understand, you need to understand what's really out there and what is valuable around the world. Like for me, I feel comfortable writing in a confident tone about travel experiences because I know that I've done my due diligence to visit 80 countries and live in, you know, four or five. So I feel like I can speak with confidence about certain things. Before, quite honestly, you know, when I was living in Korea, I could speak about my life in Seoul fairly well, but I couldn't necessarily speak about travel in general with that confidence. So I think just on a very basic level, um, and this is really applicable to even beyond travel or, or whatever it is, I mean, I think you need to understand that, that uh, your confidence in your voice is going to come from experience. And so that's why it's so important to continue to to travel, but and then leverage that voice. So, in my opinion, you know, we've come to a place now where there are a lot of people who sort of they decide they want to do something, they want to start a podcast on whatever, they want to start a whatever whatever they're doing, and they go from zero to expert in in a second. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you need to build yourself towards that, and and there need you need to see a path that's led towards expertise. Some of the skills, obviously, just like continuing to practice writing. The more you write, the better you get. I think you can never underestimate reading. I read every single night. Um, I read typically 60, 65 books a year, you know, and these are all things that like, I, but it's all about like, and yeah, you know, if you want to break it down to the, to the, to the nitty gritty, I mean, I think, um, you know, you're, you're just making sure you have, I, I, you, I say like, no, you know, no zero days, you know, every day you're working towards something, you're getting better. Um, but you know, as far as, uh, 
as far as travel writing just specifically you know comes into play i think the big thing i want to hit upon is just that that you know the more you do something the more confidence you have and then the more you can really double down on your voice right because there we've never been more inundated with with voices from all corners so you need to make sure that when somebody goes and reads your one article that they're intrigued or when they listen to one episode that they can't help but wonder what else you've done you know because you're and then they find that voice everywhere you know and then that voice is solidified across your brand um and you want that voice to to permeate everything you do so I think, I mean, I've touched on a number of things there, but I think you probably get get what I'm getting at. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I'm getting chills over here because you're speaking truth. And it's really hard to, to uh, find content creators who are talking about, like, what it really takes. Not the get a thousand subscribers in two months, yeah. you know? Like, no. <laughs> look, this conversation is like, it really takes practicing and practicing in, in a public eye, to be honest, you know? And having those wins, getting those validations, but also there will be times where you you will stumble and fall. So those for me resonate so much. And I think about my own personal journey. I never saw myself as a writer. I did not have uh, support in terms of like thinking that I was going to be a writer, but I started my blog and it was super crappy in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> but like five years later, I'm writing book number two. So I definitely understand uh, what you're saying there. And I feel like we're definitely kindred spirits because we're like zero days. Like whenever I look at you, I'm like, he's working so hard. So <laughs> it's actually totally... it's funny. It's so funny you mentioned that because I, I think the same thing about you when I'm, I, you know, of course you follow other people. And I think I think when you're at this for long enough, you shift into a mindset of really you know, you, you want to honor other people and you want to support them as best you can. And it's not about, there's room for everyone. There's not about competition anymore. Right. So it's like, I, I, to, I mean, I just wanted to come, I totally see the same thing with you, but it takes work. Right. Like, um, and I just, I'm always struck by that notion that like, you know, it's, it's, there is no perfect, right. You just try and get better every day and do your thing. And, and all of a sudden you, you hope that you know a thing or two, um, but it's that it's that fine balance between being confident with what you know already and being humbled enough to know you have to learn more tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. So for folks who really want to take the leap and become content creators, not even content creators full time, but just want to start getting out there and putting their voice out there and creating content, what would be some tips and recommendations for those who want to get started? Yeah, so I, I, there's a number of things that come come to mind for me when I think about that. And I think the first thing is just to be patient. Um, you know, blogging in particular is is a is a long game. Um, it's uh, it's a I think of it as sort of like the the nest for your for your brand, and then you can sort of fly out from there. Um, um, but I think ultimately. Um, you know, there's, you're right. Like we we're inundated with these sort of like ads uh, or whatever on Facebook where it's like, you know, in like in 30 days do this or whatever. And I'm a really strong believer that there are no shortcuts in life. You know um, uh, you know, that, that we, you, you get what you earn, you get what you put into things. And so I think the main thing is to be patient. The other thing is to exactly what you were talking about is that, you know, at the start, it's not going to be great. Um, but like, that's okay too. Um, 
one thing I would just say, just like people are desperate for authenticity and for realness. And so actually, in a way, if you start off and you're like, look, I'm trying this out, I'm vulnerable, I'm going for it, you might actually find that people hop on that journey with you. And when you get to the top of that mountain, you'll have found that, you know, a whole bunch of people were climbing it with you because they're, they're they want to see that vulnerability. So, you know, in fact, starting something and being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm starting this and not pretending like you've been doing it for a million years, like that can be a huge, huge um, bonus for you. Um, and I think, you know, beyond just being patient and things like that, I would say be intentional. Uh, make sure you know what you're trying to to create. And and for me, that would be, make you know, if you're going to start a blog, make sure you learn about SEO. Um, you know, you can probably learn the basics of SEO in, in a good, in a weekend, you know, um, take a course. Um, I know I, I haven't talked about this at all, but I, you know, I, I co-founded the Toronto bloggers collective where we're helping Toronto content creators and we run an SEO course and, you know, all of this, it doesn't take that long to get on, to get onto it. You just need to have that in your mind. Um, I would say I'll, kind of two more things. One is make sure you are working towards establishing that that brand voice. Um, you don't need to have it right away, but you need to be experimenting with it. So like do some A-B testing. I mean, and I don't mean that in a way of like, you know, multiple personality disorder where you have five different people and you're like, you're like, you know, you're trying out like angry Chris and excited Chris, you know what I mean? Like what I mean is that you, you need to figure out what part of yourself resonates with other people. You know, what are people clinging on to that's authentically you? Because truthfully, it's too long of a journey if you're pretending to be somebody else for your whole life. So, so figure out, you know, what, what part of you authentically you can you share with everybody that will, will resonate with people. So that's, that's that establishing the brand voice thing. And the final thing I would say is, is find your community, find your people. You know, it's incredible. Again, like I'm not just trying to promote the Toronto Bloggers Collective here, but I want to just talk about, you know, when I moved back to Toronto, I couldn't find the community I was looking for. And so I was inspired to create it along with three other amazing people. Um, and it's like, it's, it's, it's wild because, you know, outside of that space, I think we're all taught to be so, um, you know, so confident and, and and we're supposed to so polished and whatever. And then you get in that group and you realize there's all these people who are yearning to be vulnerable and being like, I don't know what to do, but like, you know, the brand I've set up, I'm supposed to know everything. Um, so I think it's about find the community, find the people who won't, who are looking to support you. And, and I always say this about the TVC. Um, it's just like, you know, you got to have that rising tide mentality, right? Like you're not a bunch of ships on the water at war. You're a rising tide. You know, you rise together. That's that's the way I feel about it. And by the way, I am part, I'm the honorary American in uh, Toronto Bloggers Collective. And I love the community that you've, you guys formed together. And I was there at the beginning. I remember when we were at uh, TBEX in uh, Finger Lakes and we, and you guys were just talking about the idea and getting things started. So all the things that Chris talked about are so, so, so important on your journey to becoming content creators, because there are hard skills that you need, like writing and search engine optimization and photography or whatever you're focusing on 
But there's also the other, like the other aspect of having a community, having support systems and sanity. You're having a peace of mind while you're creating content and not getting discouraged. You know, I see so many people get discouraged if they're not moving fast enough or if something that used to work for the past three years stops working, you know. So as a content creator, I think it's important to be really dynamic and to move with the tides, to look ahead at the trends and to see uh, how you can continue to, you know, do your craft. So those are my my thoughts. Now, these are the final two questions, Chris. You've been dropping so many gems for us. But what are some of the common ways that you found that people are making money with a travel blog? Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to dive in a little bit here. And, and these are things I talk about you know, at conferences and stuff like that. And I try to share, like, I think anybody who knows me knows that I'm an open book. I want to share everything I know. I'm not one of these people that's like, I give one tip and then I'm like, and you can find out more when you buy my ebook on my set. Like, I, <laughs> I think you're the same way, right? Like, you, like, I feel like, um, like knowledge breeds knowledge. You know what I mean? And I feel like when I drop some knowledge and I'm sharing with somebody, somebody feels more inclined to be like, hey, I'm really good at Pinterest. Do you want to talk about that? And, you know, whatever it is. Anyways, just for things to think about for people. I mean, I think you've got some some basics. So, you know, your affiliate marketing is something you should be thinking about. Um, You know, obviously, naturally, I'm going to write about hotels and sometimes. So um, having a uh, affiliate being in the booking.com affiliate program makes a lot of sense for me. Um, Most bloggers um, are going to want to think about being an Amazon affiliate. Um, I recommend a lot of books, travel books, so on and so forth. So Amazon makes sense. Now, these are not huge income streams for me, but I'm a big believer in, in you know, why wouldn't you put forth the effort to, to develop some passive income? You know, it may just makes sense. Um, beyond that, like sponsored content. I mean, this is something you you need to be a little bit careful with as far as just making sure you're disclosing that if it's it's sponsored content, but there is money there to be made. That's especially true for like the food niche and things like that. Um, I've seen this done really poorly and I've seen it done really well. So just make sure that what, if you're going to be doing sponsored content, for one, you're clearly disclosing that um, at the you know at the top of your post, and two, that you're you're not that your sponsored content is not um, is not. Uh, sort of combating what you stand for in your in your brand and and is 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 in line with your brand voice um beyond that ad networks um ezoic um google adsense uh mediavine i think most people would agree that mediavine um is is the place to go but you need 25,000 unique views to to get there so that's that's another thing to consider. And I'm just going to keep dropping these right now and people can uh, put it in slow-mo and write down a list if they want. Um, but um, paid press trips are are a thing that I prioritize. Um, that's something where, you know, I developed a relationship with a, with a tour, tourism organization who knows that I bring value um, and they know that I'm going to be on the ground creating uh, – you know, creating social content that that can stand alone and stand the test of time. And then I'm creating SEO uh, friendly content that is going to make sure that when people are searching for particular things for a tourism board, um, that they are, uh, you know, that that's hitting the mark for them. And and one thing I think is, is true is that as the um, traditional media industry is is morphing in some respect, you know, I think a lot of tourism boards, brands, organizations, um, you know, they had some fairly serious budget for one print ad in a large scale magazine. And now they're sort of shifting that into into different avenues. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now. Definitely, uh, you know, coaching and public speaking when you develop your brand um, big enough, you you have an opportunity to go out there. Um, and I find 
for me that that's usually worth it because it's not necessarily that anything comes of it. It's just it's 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 just that maybe you have one conversation afterwards with one person who's really intrigued and that leads to other opportunities. Um, beyond that, um, I would just say uh, ebooks are are that's something I've explored and something you've explored as well. Um, for me, it was mostly just a brand builder. Um, you know, I like to be able to if I'm speaking in Toronto, I like to be able to say I'm the author of a local travel writer's guide to Toronto. I just think that 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 is um, you know. It also shows it also shows that I, you know, I like I have that patience and I am intentional. All those things we talked about, about being a being a strong content creator, it shows that uh, I'm willing to put that time in. And, you know, as well as I do, it is a grind to create an ebook that you can be proud of. Um, but it's also, you know, this if you're looking at, you know, income streams, I have a, a reasonably robust uh, email marketing strategy. And, and you know, you better believe my e- my ebook is is uh, sprinkled in there. Um, so that's another passive income stream for me, um, although creating it was anything but passive. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, beyond that, um, like I do some podcasting, not necessarily a revenue driver, but it's something I really enjoy. It just brings a lot of light and energy back into my life. I have another podcast, which I'm launching somewhat soon. Um, and then I guess finally, just um, now I'm in a position as a community leader with the Toronto Bloggers Collective where we're organizing events, uh, we're sourcing press trips, and uh, we're we're getting money flowing. Not, not just about money for me now. It's about uh, we're bringing money back into the community. So this is a, that's a bigger goal. That's a 2020 goal. But, um, you know, we are... We're sort of hitting our mark. We're we're I think we're changing the narrative a little bit. We're 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 kind of like a mixture of like a con, we're we're serving content creators, but we're playing the role of a PR firm a little bit in the opportunities that we're sourcing for people. So that's also exciting. But you know, though I think those are just all ideas. You know, I wanted to just um, throw all those ideas out there for everybody who's thinking about things. And you know, if if that's overwhelming to you, I think the biggest thing to do is just start off creating good quality content. Um, and then look at uh, then look at adding in some of those, those sort of affiliate links and getting onto the ad networks. Um, you can also, of course, like you know, sell spots on your social media. And, um, I'd be careful about this just because, like, sometimes I go to a feed and I see somebody who is like every single post. It's just like. Yeah, it's it's gotten so out of hand, right? Where it's like it's like oh, you know, like it's like oh, I was hiking the other day and I twisted my ankle, and it's like good thing I had icy hot packs or whatever. And you're like, come on, come just on. so happened to have an icy pack. <laughs> yeah, good thing I had one frozen and ready for me. Like and you're like this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So you know you want to be careful with that, and that's that's actually you know I think that's a good way to wrap up that wrap up those recommendations is you know you're gonna there's gonna be a million opportunities for you to make money, but you know the thing is you can always make money but you can't get back your integrity so don't sell your integrity at the beginning for a little bit of money you know um you got to have a it's it's a long-term game there's plenty of ways you can make money but you know you can cross out the coaching and the speaking and and people wanting to buy your ebook if you don't have integrity to go along with that because you've sold your brand for the lowest bidder yes and one of the big things i took away from that chris is that as you're building your portfolio and you're building yourself as a content creator, it's like a pie. And there are just so many ways that you could split the pie. And the great thing is that you can decide, like, what's the way that you are going to drive income? And 
being like ethical and making sure that you're stay true to your values, but it's really your decision. And you could dip in drabs and not everything is going to make you so much money. But depending on the avenues that you pick, it could really, for example, like having a book could really position you as an expert and a leader, which could lead you to more income opportunities down the road. So that was super helpful. Yeah, I just wanted to say based on that, I think that's really apt and and just but it just struck something the way I think about it. I you've you've probably noticed by now I, I think in metaphors. It's just like I can't help it. Like my wife's always making fun of me for it, but I just, you know, I can't help it. Um but I, I think about all this kind of stuff as like you're planting seeds, right? And so you should plant as many seeds as you can um that align with, you know, your quote unquote garden, right? And you have to understand that uh some of those things are going to grow. They're really going to grow. And sometimes it's the plant you don't expect that's going to grow like crazy, but you need to keep planting seeds. And, you know, to extend that metaphor even deeper, you know, sometimes you're not going to get the weather you want, but it doesn't mean the seed's not good. It just means the sun's not shining yet. Ooh, that was good. That's an amen. Yes, I, I agree. I totally agree. It's so funny. I just tweeted this the other day. I was like, March is time to sow those seeds, to reap those seeds, because I felt like I've been planting seeds for months now. So <laughs> I can totally understand where that the comes sun's from. Coming. The sun yes, is the coming. Yes, the sun is coming. I mean, spring's coming down the road, so <laughs> exactly. I, I can't wait. Chris, this has been incredible. We can talk for hours about content creation. Thank you so much for your time. Let everyone know how they can connect with you and about the Toronto Bloggers Collective as well. Yeah, sure. So you can find me at uh, travelingmitch.com and travelingmitch on social media. I'm particularly active on Twitter, as you know, like I just love Twitter. That's my space. You can, I also have another website that's a niche Ontario travel website. I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in that, but if you're coming to Ontario, we got you back, ultimateontario.com and ultimateontario on social media. Um, of course, if you're based in Toronto, the Toronto Bloggers Collective, we're always looking for for bright content creators. Uh, you don't need to be a blogger. We just say like, you know what, if you're creating something interesting, we got your back. Beyond that, um, I got my podcast, Rick Steves Over Brunch, where we, we are kind of funny enough just reviewing Rick Steves Europe episodes. And Rick, of course, came on the show a couple of times, which was pretty epic. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of stuff that I'm going to be launching in the in the coming months, but just follow along and uh, and you'll see. And, and obviously, you know, I just want to really thank you for having me on. Um, I knew this would be a good time um, because you do your research. I have a lot of respect for what you're doing. I listen to this podcast. You know, I'm not that guy that goes on a thousand podcasts um, and I don't even know who the people are and what you're talking about. I, I think you're doing a great job, um, you know, and, and I again, I, I watch you from from afar and I and I'm, you know, I, I, I definitely see that kindred spirit. Um, so I think everyone's in really good hands, uh, the listeners of this podcast, and uh, I'm just grateful to be part of that, uh, part of, just you know, part of the the show um, as it continues to grow and become better and better. Thank you, Chris. Chris, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but when I met you the first time was in uh, T-Bex, uh, Finger Lakes, and we were talking, and I think that you were the first person out of everyone who I met in the travel space who was doing this full time and who was like about his business, very focused, very passionate. And I just, again, I'm so inspired by your work. And you were just that person that made me realize, okay, you can have hobbies, but you can also really take it to the next level. So thank you again for coming on today and sharing so much of your knowledge with us.